If you've struggled with stress, balance, or burnout, and simply feel discouraged or even defeated, and if you're ready to move from force to flow and enjoy ultimate Zen success in your career, health, or relationships, then the Zen Success Show is for you. Your host, Carissa Sims, is an entrepreneur, corporate consultant, best-selling author, meditation teacher, and healer who has found her own Zen success. Here's your host, Carissa Sims. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Vincent James. Vincent James has been circulating in the musical world for over three decades. Oh my gosh, I'm sure you have some stories. <laughs> I mean, incredible. Like, th- like this could be a feature movie, right? Your story? <laughs> Someday. He first began as a songwriting, penning rock and roll and wrestling connector in the mid 80s that was made into a music video by Prism Television starring Cindy Lauper, Hulk Hogan, and Rowdy Rowdy Pop Piper. <laughs> yeah, I said his name right. Eventually, James elected to go the artist route and released several recordings, including two national singles. Now he is the co-founder of Keep Music Alive with his wife, Joanne, and I can't pronounce her, Pier Domenico? Ah, uh, you're almost perfect. Pier Domenico. Pier Domenico. Oh, yes. Flowing a little bit better from your lips. In the summer of 2014, they founded this organization. The Nonprofit Foundation supports Kids Music Day, Teach Music Week, and an instrument petting zoo. Welcome, Vincent. Thank you. Thank you, Carissa. It's so great to see you. And thanks for having me on your show. Yes, my pleasure. I'm excited to learn more about you and hear any stories, any exciting rock and roll stories you want to share. (laughs) Well, tell me about yourself and where you grew up. So I grew up just outside of Philadelphia uh, in a town called Brookhaven. And uh, music interested me from an early age. I can remember being in fourth grade, and uh, I think that was the year that we were allowed to pick an instrument in school uh, that we were able to learn in school. And I remember coming home that day from school and telling my parents, you know, I want to learn how to to play guitar. And my mom and dad said, no, no, no. And the funny thing is, I don't think guitar was even one of the instruments they even offered, but I had guitar in my head. So they sent me back to school, and I came back uh, the next day, and I said, I want to learn how to play drums. And they said, no, even louder. And, and that was offered. So day number three, I picked the trombone and I played the trombone all the way through senior year of high school, marching band, concert band, jazz band, had a great, amazing experience. I mean, that was, you know, my friend circle was, you know, the music people, the marching band and all the different music groups. Uh, and then when I was around 12 or 13, my mom had always wanted to play the piano. So she talked my dad into bringing a piano into the house for the very first time. And I was like a bead of honey to that piano. I'm like, you know, what is this? Can I, when can I start? So I actually started taking classical piano lessons for about three years or so. And And how old were you? I uh, actually, when I'm thinking about it more accurately, I was probably about 11 when I started Okay. for about three years. And then I kind of got hooked on the radio and pop songs and stopped uh, kind of, 
continuing my classical path and just started playing guitar and, and piano and learning songs from the radio and putting together bands. Yeah, that sounds like fun. When did you put together your first band? Uh, I was probably either a sophomore or junior in high school. I had a couple different bands, you know, most bands, you know, you put them together, you do things for a while and then something happens and you break up and <laughs> okay. put together another band. Did you sing as well? Yes, yes, yes. Although, you know, how I sang back then, I don't know. I'm kind of glad that there aren't any recordings that I know <laughs> of. <laughs> oh, there's probably some out there. Mm-hmm. I don't think it was very good. <laughs> oh, my gosh. But that's fun, though. I mean, that you were that ambitious. You started that band and, and you had other band members. What was the name of your bands? Do you remember? Oh, uh, There was one band that was called Prodigy. There oh, that's a good band that was called. I was like, I don't think I'm getting the pronunciation right because it sounds like a disease. Seritis? Seritis? I don't know. It had a weird spelling. I think we ended up ditching the name just because. (laughs) Oh, okay. Well, that's fun. And how did you meet your wife? Uh, It was actually through a musical event. Uh, Now, this September, we'll be married for 30 years. So I I know the time just goes. (laughs) So. Uh, interesting thing is my wife, when she was in high school, she had a pen pal uh, with a gentleman by the name of uh, Tommy Page. Uh, she was in central Jersey, southern Jersey, and he was up in north Jersey. And they would write back and forth. And Tommy had a band with his brother. And he was always sending you know, her tickets you know, to come see the band. Uh, but she was never able to, to go. But they had this you know, writing relationship back and forth as a pen pal. And then several years later, uh, she was listening to the radio station in New Jersey, and they were doing a big anniversary concert for the radio station, uh, a benefit uh, for local food organizations. And she hears the name Tommy Page is going to be performing. And she's like, what? what? <laughs> I know that name. You know, she goes, she digs out her letters. <laughs> I know that name. So she called the station and uh, talked to the music director and told them her story. And now by this point, Tommy Page was a big recording star. He had hits in mm-hmm. the Billboard charts and radio all over. Mm-hmm. And she really didn't realize that was going on until she heard his name. And so the radio station will come on down. We'll make sure you get to meet him. And it was that night that I happened to be there writing a column for another entertainment paper. And my wife, Joanne, got to meet that night. And then, you know, as I say, the rest was history. <laughs> I guess she didn't. <laughs> yeah, maybe you're happy she didn't connect with Tommy Page on an <laughs> intimate level. <laughs> right, right, right. Well, you know, it all worked out. You know, he was a great guy. We A few years later, we went to go see him perform at a local venue here, the Valley Forge Music Center, uh, Valley Forge Music Fair, which is actually no longer there. It's a beautiful venue. Uh, and uh, we actually snuck backstage <laughs> so we could go <laughs> say hello to him because we didn't have anybody on the inside that could let us in. But it was great. We got to see, you know, meet him and see him again and uh, just kind of brought it all full circle. And we told him the story of how, you know, he kind of helped bring us together. Oh, that is so sweet. Do you have children? We have four children. Yes. You're like, boy, do we ever. <laughs> and how old are they? So they range now from 20 to 35. Okay. And we have our first grandchild two years ago and second grandchild coming up uh, this summer. Oh, wow. You look so young and you have a, a youthful spirit. It's the music. It's the music. It's the music. <laughs> That's amazing. Well, tell me about your book, 88 Ways Music Can Change Your Life. 
So for, for many years, you know, I've bounced around, as you kind of hinted on my uh, intro, you know, various musical activities, but I always felt like something was missing. And uh, I think it was in 2014 when I was uh, drawn to a teleseminar that was being given called uh, How Everyone Has a Book Inside Them They Need to Write. And honestly, I never thought I would write a book about anything. I didn't consider myself an expert in anything. I do engineering during the day, music and passion at night and weekends. But I'm like, what am I going to write a book about that anyone's going to buy? But I listened to the call and I, out of a bolt of lightning hit me like, well, what about a book of inspirational stories of how music changed oh. people's lives? I wouldn't even have to write it, right? <laughs> I, I would just gather the you stories. Gather it together. It's brilliant. And put it out and share them with the world. And that's how our whole music education advocacy mission began. I mean, that was the beginning to keep music alive there. Uh, we published the book in a year later, in June of 2015. And at this point, Keep Music Alive was an informal organization. Uh, we launched something called Teach Music Week in March 2015, mm -hmm. uh, encouraging music schools and, and musicians everywhere to offer a free lesson to new students, kids yeah. and adults. And a year later, we started something called Kids uh, Music Day. After okay. hearing, we heard of something called Kids Yoga Day, and I got all excited. Well, Kids Yoga Day, that's really cool. Yeah. I wonder if there's a Kids Music Day. And there wasn't, so, and there you guys founded so it. There is now. <laughs> that's incredible. Wow. So what, what was in your heart that made you want to start this nonprofit, Keep Music Alive? I think, well, the book series or beginning, it was just a single book, you know, was the spark, you know, we kind of, you know, sometimes you okay. get an idea, a spark from the universe and it just starts percolating up there and it just leads to the next thing and it leads to the next thing. And what happened was, as we were starting to gather stories, you know, we reached out to over 6,000 musicians around the world wow. asking if they had a story, an inspirational music story they would like to share. And, you know, as the story started coming in, uh, you know, we were becoming more and more inspired, like just we can't believe you know, the power of music. So it was like this just it just became even more important to us. I see. Make this bigger than just a book. And it just kind of snowballed, you know, one by one into something bigger. We now partner with over a thousand music schools and stores every year to help us celebrate Teach Music Week in March and Kids Music Day in October. And we have support from over a dozen you know, celebrities as Kids Music Day ambassadors and a number of music brands that support. And just we're thrilled that there's so many people, you know, like minds and hearts that want to support the importance of music education. Mm -hmm. Just, you know, we, I knew how important music was to me, Carissa, but as we started reading the stories and doing some of the, you know, reading some of the research that's been done over the years, of how music really helps kids, music and arts, you know, in their developmental years in school, mm -hmm. keeps them in school longer, better test scores, better mm -hmm. socially, so many different benefits. We're like, this is, it's like magic. Yeah. And I also heard um, kids do better in math. That Yes, their math scores, their science scores, mm -hmm. they do better with reading and comprehension. Oh, everything. Uh, okay. Know, they stay in school. The graduation rates are better for schools that have really good music programs. But the kids look forward to coming to school because it, it's the, the extra classes, uh, you know. And the reason it helps with the math and science, what the science uh, researchers have figured out is there's something that connects the right side and the left side, and you know, the left logical and the right creative uh -huh. sides of the brain. It's the, mm -hmm. uh, called the corpus callosum. And it's like a pipe. You know, the neurons firing back and forth. Well, that pipe gets bigger 
for kids that have music and arts education during their developmental years. It's been shown scientifically that, you know, if you have it and you don't have it, these pipes get bigger. And then that allows these children later as they grow into adults to become, think more outside the box creatively as, you know, scientists, doctors, inventors, entrepreneurs, mm. all the different things that help to make our world better uh, is improved because they had that music and arts education. Yeah. And, and what age do you feel like it's important to start giving lessons to kids or, adults you think it doesn't matter or any I think you know I think from you know the earliest age in terms of you know not formal lessons but you know you know even like the music yeah the music exactly music and movement groups that are out there you know YouTube videos you know you know sing-alongs with the child helping to learn your ABCs your numbers you know the music ties everything together and then once a child is able to like sit for five ten minutes you know and stay focused on something, that's when you can start having them, you know, learn a little more formally uh, on a lesson, whether it's, you know, piano or guitar or ukulele or, you know, brass or woodwind instrument. Yeah, that's great. And do you still teach? Do you teach music at all? I have taught off and on. I never Mm -hmm. really studied because it was never one of the main things I did. Mm -hmm. Uh, The one guitar student that I kept for a long time, actually, and this is interesting, he didn't start learning to play guitar or any instrument until he was 80 years young and we, we taught him for five years until the covid came and then we weren't able to do it in person and he wasn't comfortable doing the online thing so we're hoping yeah. to bring him back uh it's been a year uh, since david and i were able to get together but i mean you know his wife comments you know to him how it helps make him more alert uh you know it helps with his finger you know his dexterity with his fingers uh and it's just and he has a ball you know, learning songs that he's familiar with in the 50s, 60s, and 70s. Yeah. And he plays and sings along, and I play and sing along with him. And it's a beautiful thing. That's great. Well, maybe when COVID's over, you guys could start a band. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I keep telling him, I said, David, I'm going to bring you on stage with me. He's like, yeah. oh, no, no, come on, David, you know this song. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that would be awesome. So tell me about the instrument petting zoo and how you work with organizations to educate others about music. So it's funny. It's probably about three, four years ago. Now we heard of this thing called an instrument petting zoo. And my wife and I were like, what the heck is that? That sounds really neat. So basically we started doing them. We bring guitars, keyboards, ukuleles, and dozens of different types of percussion instruments uh, to you know a library, uh, event room, to schools, to outdoor fairs and festivals. And it's basically a please touch museum for musical instruments where kids are encouraged to come in and try out different instruments. We, t- we typically have uh, volunteer teaching artists that will help, you know, the kids to you know, put the instrument in their hands, show them how to hold the pick, you know, where to put the hand on the fret and just get them to, for the many times for the very first time, they're getting the experience of being able to make a sound with a musical instrument and mm-hmm. to see what that feels and sounds like, you know, it's resonating with their body and, you know, connecting not just the sound, but the fact, you know, the fact you're doing the motion on the keyboard or the ukulele and, and percussion oh my gosh the little ones love the percussion they, they run around with the cowbells the shakers uh you name it uh and when you see the faces on these children you know light up they start as young as two years old you know up until the you know, young teenagers that you know are often trying a musical instrument for the very first time and you know the little light bulb goes off like hey 
this is really neat. This is really cool. You know, maybe I want to do this. We see them looking at mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, whoever brought them in. You know, can I can I get this? You know, what <laughs> can I take this home? You know, we're like, well, actually, these aren't for sale, but you know, here's some places you can go or, or look online. Uh, and what it's helping us do is to plant the seed because our whole mission is to try to help more kids and adults reap, you know, the educational, therapeutic, and the social benefits of playing music. And to do that, we got to get them started playing music. Yes. And I, I'm, my wheels are turning about my own kids. Like I got to get them in music. I mean, I, I signed my son up. My son is now nine. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, he's, he's done um, guitar lessons and singing and songwriting. He's actually really good at oh, songwriting. Wow. Yeah. And, and, tremendous. And, and singing and it was all online now. And, mm-hmm. and the teacher, I don't know, maybe she had uh, enough of the online stuff. She's like, I think your kids need to do in person. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. So um, she let go of us, <laughs> my, my daughter oh, and my oh son. My. So, but, but I mean, I need to think about that with my daughter. My daughter is six mm-hmm. and my son is nine. You know, I, I want to start I don't know. Should I force them? I mean, what do you, what do you feel like is the line between being, letting them choose and say, Oh, just pick any instrument or how do you get into that battle as a parent? You know, I would bring them to a music store or a couple of different music stores. Okay. You know, Hey, you know, you know, let them try out different keyboards. What do you think of this? Yeah. You know, what do you think of this? Uh, put a couple of child size guitars in their hand. What do you think of this or ukulele? Mm-hmm. Uh, let them sit down on a drum set and mm-hmm. play. You know, yeah, they, they really we have like a drum set drums. at home. Oh, you're yeah. already there. Yeah, we have a drum set. <laughs> already, God bless you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's one of those, um, you know, it can be silent. What okay, do you the electronic drum set. Electronic, you put on the, yeah. So you had the headphones uh-huh. on. Just perfect. Yeah. You know, they didn't really have that as much when I was a kid. <laughs> yeah, which is why your parents were like, no. All they thought of was the noise. And it's like, no way. Yeah. Uh, but they did let me practice with my high school friends and band in the oh, basement perfect. sometimes. So, you know, the yeah. dishes and everything. But I would encourage them, your children, and, and not, you know, try to pigeonhole them into any particular instrument. Let them try a couple different instruments and, okay. uh, and see, you know, what they're drawn to. Um, because mm-hmm. there are, you just can never know what they're going to be drawn to. And like your son, you know, once he starts playing one instrument, he might end up wanting to do another instrument. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you let their creativity, you know, walk around and discover what they like. And, you know, it would be good when you're at the music store to obviously work with someone who's there to, you know, have them demonstrate the instrument a little bit so they can, you know, your son and daughter and your daughter in particular can get an idea of what it can sound like, mm-hmm. you know, in the hands of someone who's just learning to play. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. This is a little off topic, but have you seen those drum box as a business that it's a a little cubicle and Mm -hmm. you rent it by like a half an hour and you can play drums. (laughs) So I'm not sure you may be referring to something that's called a cajon. It's basically a box that you sit on and you play. No, no, it's a business. It's a business that you, um, you pay for a half hour and it, and okay. it's like in it, well, in our city, it's in a parking lot mm-hmm. and you can pay and then you can um, play the drums, I guess, without bothering people. 
Oh, I see. So it's basically <laughs> a drum set that does house calls or parking lot calls. Yeah, parking. Right, right. <laughs> it's just a little box at a parking lot. It's kind of interesting. I was just wondering that's, if you'd heard that's that. That's wild. No, yeah. I'd love to share about that online because that's yeah. that's so unique. It is unique. I know, I know. So I want to hear more about the celebrities you work with. You know, mm-hmm. who is your spokesperson and and what amazing celebrities have supported you in your mission? Well, we started off, uh, you know, reaching out to celebrity uh, contacts a few years ago. And in the beginning, it was slow going. You know, we had a couple of people say yes. And then one morning, we got a very magical yes from Julie Andrews and her people who said that Julie Andrews would love to be a, you know, a Kids Music Day ambassador. We about, you know, we were jumping all over. <laughs> over in our seats. That's pretty much the right. best person you could ever ask for. I yes. have to say, don't you think? Uh, yes, absolutely. And, and, and here's the funny thing, you know, for anybody, entrepreneurs or anybody listening, uh, you know, to the story, we had reached out to Julie Andrews people, you know, manager, agent, publicist, numerous times over a few years asking about if she would like to contribute a story to the book series. Mm-hmm. Uh, we never heard anything back, you know, no replies, no bounce backs, you know, absolutely nothing. And what we've learned from our own mentors is that silence never means no. It just, it doesn't mean anything. They haven't responded. <laughs> right. Oh, just I never keep... saw those emails. <laughs> right. right. You just, you know, there's so many reasons why you may not have gotten a response unless somebody writes you back and says, don't you ever write me again. <laughs> You know, does the, yeah. the Grinch thing, the Jim Carrey Grinch line, you know, if you call me again, <laughs> I'm going to hunt you down. Uh, you are most welcome to try again with a different pitch or something else. Just keep trying. And that's what we did. And we kept coming. And we so we we that's sent awesome. to Julie's people something about Kids Music Day. And it was literally about a week later, we got a reply. And so that kind of started the floodgates. You know, we now have everyone from, you know, Jack Black, Sarah McLaughlin, Richie Sambor from Bon Jovi, wow. uh, Kenny Loggins, and, uh, you know, Todd Rundgren. And there's a whole bunch of others that are just slipping past my mind at the moment. But, you oh, know, yeah. They're like, okay, if Julie Andrews is a part of this, we need to be a part of this. <laughs> yes, yes. It, it gave me so easier. much validity, your organization and your day. And uh, it brings a lot of excitement to it as well, I think. Yes, yes. I mean, we all have, we all feel like we have that special connection with Julie and the, and the roles that she's played over the years. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and more lately, she's been done so much, you know, in the children's world, you know, with children's books, you know, working with her daughter, mm-hmm. publishing books and, and TV shows, you know, that spotlight children and help children. So, you know, she's definitely tied in with that mission. Oh, that's wonderful. I didn't even know that she wrote children's books. I'm going, I'm going to look her up. I write children's books too. Oh, cool. Yeah. How has your program shifted since COVID? Well, the instrument petting zoos that we did in person, you know, stopped (laughs) completely. Yeah, uh, few you online. can't really do it virtual, or can you? Oh, go ahead. Well, we did something, uh, we called it a virtual instrument petting zoo, but in reality, it's a it's a musical instrument show and tell, mm-hmm. you know, where we would demonstrate all these different instruments and show what they looked like, show what they sounded like. And we did about three or four of those events, events you know, from last spring through early this year. Uh, we're just now, we did book our very first, uh, schedule our very first in-person uh, instrument petting zoo for the end of june it's outside at a library 
parking lot and, uh, you know, we're just crossing our fingers, you know, we'll all be masked. We'll have all kinds of disinfectant. And mm-hmm. Yeah, and that makes sense. Yeah. And uh, we're just going to dip our toe in and hopefully, you know, watching the numbers go down and down still keeps going in that direction and, and start having a little more fun because that, that really is most of everything else we do is as music education advocates where we don't really get to work with the children directly. But when we do our instrument petting zoos year round in our Philadelphia area, you know, we get to interact with the children directly and we get to see those smiles and excitement firsthand. And I know for my wife and I, that's probably the most fun thing we do all year is every time we get to go out and do an instrument petting zoo with the kids. Yeah, that sounds incredible. I'm, I'm sure my kids would love that too. Do they do that here in Colorado? I'm in Colorado. I am sure that there are some locations okay. that do it. In fact, you know, I'll, I'll take a look and see uh, what area of Colorado mm-hmm. are you in? Near Boulder. Boulder. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll, we'll take a look and we'll, okay. we'll plant some seeds. <laughs> okay. That sounds good. Can musicians partner with you to provide lessons for kids or uh, do musicians reach out to you to see how they can serve their community? Oh, absolutely. I mean, we encourage musicians to participate in both Teach Music Week, you know, offering free lessons to new students that week and and Kids Music Day, you know, either work with a local music store or music school or on their own, do some sort of music activity that's catered toward kids. Uh, And we're always looking for volunteers and supporters to help us do what we do because we're just two people and, you know, we couldn't do what we do without volunteer support. Yeah, that's incredible. So I, I just wondered if you had any good stories from your days in um, rock and roll and working with um, wrestling. How did that come about? Well, that's a funny story. So uh, back in 1985, it would be. So my first wife, her family was uh, really into the WWF, the World Wrestling Foundation, and the broadcast that they had on. Me, I kind of like, I like, I don't really know what this is about. It seems a little silly, but I see there's all this energy and excitement, <laughs> you know, and I would go to their house and I sit there and I'd watch them watching this and see all the excitement and yelling at the TV. And I'm like, all right, so this is a phenomena and I'm a songwriter. I'm just, I was inspired to write about it, the rock and roll and wrestling connection. And, you know, I talked about the people that were involved in it at the time. Uh, Cindy Lauper as a, you know, kind of a pop pop culture figure was getting involved with it. Lou Albano, uh, Rowdy Rowdy Piper, Hulk Hogan. And I wrote a song with all these lyrics. And then I went hunting for a studio to record it. And uh, originally, uh, so I found, you know, a couple different places and settled on a studio and working with a guy. And originally I was singing the song. And that's when, as I alluded to earlier, my voice back earlier certainly wasn't a good fit for that song it needed a more powerful rock voice and so the gentleman at the studio knew someone brought him in and we made a really good you know 16 track studio recording of it and then i took it to prism television which was the tv outlet you know the cable tv outlet in our area they were the only game in town where all the wrestling broadcasts were run through their station that people watched it and uh, the producer there loved the song. He says, you know what? I'm going to make a video out of this. I'm going to take clips from all the events that they had that had those people in it mm-hmm. and put it to the song. And then they aired it down at the Spectrum, our big arena here in Philadelphia. Many times it aired on the TV here many times. And that was kind of my, you know, baptism of fire in the music business. You know, we put together a band. 
I wasn't in the band. My, me and a buddy managed the band. They played all over. Uh, you know, it built up and built up and built up, built up. And then there was a that inevitable split that I talked about earlier. Yeah. And, you know, you know, different people part ways or whatever. And it just didn't work out for us. Uh, but it was a really fun time. I learned so much about the music business. Uh, and it was great. It's a great memory. And the video still had the video of the uh, that Prism did for us. Yeah, that's wonderful. And and you mentioned that you do engineering during the day. What type yes. of engineering do you do? I'm a software engineer. A software engineer. I was yes. going to assume that, but um, yeah, that's well, great. It's funny that I went to school for electrical engineering, but this is how much electrical engineering I've done in my career. <laughs> okay, got software it. Path and I never really turned back. Oh, that's, that's great. So you can go to school for electrical engineering and then and then shift and change to programming and this is something that we like to tell you know whether we tell you know our children like our daughter now mm-hmm. is a sophomore at drexel university and you know she's yeah. trying to decide physics science computer programming i'm like it really doesn't matter as long yeah. as you get a technical degree from a good school and you get good grades you can write your ticket in almost anywhere i mean Mm-hmm. No matter what technical degree you're doing these days, there's almost always a computer programming, a software portion of that. I see. So you're picking up some of those skills already, and you can take that and apply that to so many different areas. So I try to tell her, you know, try not to get hung up on what's going to be on the piece of paper. I because see. No, that's good years, advice. Yeah, it's what you, know, you learn. <laughs> yeah, because I, I didn't know that. I didn't know that about corporations because I, I work with corporations doing ergonomics. I work with a lot of, um, you know, computer software engineers. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I thought you had to have a specific degree in that. No, they hire, you know, I work for a large aerospace company and, you know, mm-hmm. they hire physics majors, computer science majors, oh, engineering very majors. Cool. You know, any kind of technical, if you've shown that you're smart and you know how to learn and you're Mm -hmm. willing to dive into this. Then they'll teach you at the the job because it's specific to what they're doing. Oh, that's fascinating. I get it. Wow. It's been so great getting to know you and learning about your passion, your nonprofit, Keep Music Alive. What is your website and how can people get in touch with you? Oh, the best place would be keepmusicalive.org. And they can find out everything about us. Wonderful. So you have a day coming up, right? Is it Kids Music Day coming yes, up? Yes, we have the sixth annual Kids Music Day coming up mm-hmm. in, on October 1st. And I didn't mention that our spokesperson last year was Matthew Morrison from Glee and from mm-hmm. Broadway. Wow. And, and he was able to get us on Entertainment Tonight and People TV and, and, and uh, Good Day New York. This year, we don't know yet who's going to be our, our spokesperson, uh, but we're hoping for you know more of the great same and, and continued up. But yeah, this Friday, October 1st is the next Kids Music Day. Well, that's exciting. So you have a different spokesperson every year? Last year was actually the first time that we had a spokesperson. Oh, uh, got it. The, the, the ambassadors lend their name and their image to, that we can use to help promote the day. Uh, but the spokesperson is agreeing that, yes, I'll actually go out and do interviews uh, to help support it. So Matthew came to us last year and said, I would really love to do this for you. And we were beyond grateful and thrilled. And, you know, he knocked it out of the, you know, he grand slammed it a couple times, you know, with entertainment tonight and people TV. 
That's incredible. What a, what an opportunity. Well, I'm so happy for you and all of your success and your, your big family. So thank Thank you. you You're welcome. Thank you for joining me today and inspiring me to get my own kids back into music. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And we're going to look up some Colorado stuff for you in the Boulder area. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Great. Thanks so much. That's it for today's episode of Zen Success. Head on over to iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you listen to shows. Zen Success is also available on the radio in select markets through amfm247.com. Subscribe to the show and share with friends. Be sure to head on over to zensuccessshow.com to help you on your Zen Success journey. And join us on the next episode. May you find your own Zen Success in life.